The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. The following Different Brains content was funded in part by the Community Foundation of Broward and support from people like you. In this episode of Exploring Different Brains. So the ER is chaos, right? There's so much going on. Um, I personally thrive in that setting. As I said, I'm able to fall into that hyper-focus during those emergency situations. I'm able to mute everything out, distractions at least. I'm not going to mute the doctors, nurses, and patient out. I got to be in touch with that. But it, it helps me stay hyper-focused on what's going on. Um, the movement is huge as well. A, a setting where I'm able to move during cognitive tasks helps me stay engaged. Um, and even the learning style at EMT school, half of it is, you know, the books and the exams, but the other half is training the clinical setting. It's these rounds that that's how I am able to learn. I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today, I'm excited because we have our friend, our teammate, a great self-advocate for ADHD himself, Ali Idris, who's doing so many things and is going places and is helping a lot of people. Ali, welcome. Thank you, Hacky. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Now, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience a little bit better than I did? Yeah, sounds good. So I'm Ali, a pre-med student here at FAU, currently applying to medical school um, as I aspire to be a physician. I'm also working here at FAU's medical school as a research lab tech in neuropharmacology. I also am an EMT in the emergency room here at West Boca Medical Center. And uh, the reason I'm on this uh, with Hacky today is because I've been with different brains for almost four years now, which is crazy, uh, on the social media team. I've been on the research team where we've done really exciting stuff, research field, um, pushing uh, awareness and acceptance for neurodiversity within research. And uh, ADHD Power Tools, over 100 episodes, co-host alongside Brooke Schnittman. So, yeah. 100 episodes. You don't look old enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell us a bit about how you got your ADHD diagnosis. Yeah, so it was, I was seven years old and I could never sit still in class. I was always sent to the principal's office and my, my parents, teachers, they thought, why not I get tested? So I indeed got diagnosed for ADHD at seven years of age. I ended up doing therapy for almost a year. And at that age, I, I, they medicated me. And for seven years, uh, I was medicated from ages seven to 14, only on school days. And I mean, ever since then, um, I've been passionate in learning about ADHD, learning about how my brain works to be productive, to achieve my goals um, ever since that diagnosis. Tell us how ADHD has played a role, both good and bad, if there is any bad, Mm -hmm. in your education. I think when it comes to ADHD and education, there definitely are negatives, but the catch is that negative can be turned into a positive, and I think even a double positive, if anything, once you, you know, collect those tools. Um, in the educational setting, ADHD has allowed me to take risks, 
um, be outgoing with my friends in class, to develop relationships with my friends in class. Um, we collaborated. Um, this added accountability, number one, which is huge, a key for someone with ADHD like myself. It also immersed me in my curriculum. I became surrounded by what I was learning, something that's also very key for myself. And it kept me engaged. Um, you know, someone with ADHD like myself needs to be engaged, hands-on with the curriculum we're learning in the educational setting. So, and I was able to teach my classmates um, a big, big time learning method for myself is not only learning the content, but being, being able to teach it. That's when I really, that's when, the, you know, the material really sticks for me. So I think ADHD helped me thrive in that setting, that group setting, allowed me to take those risks. And, you know, some people, like with anything, everything's a spectrum, have different symptoms. Let's start with what does ADHD stand for? Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. And it has both that deficit and disorder. There's two words right there, which I think it's the total opposite. It's not really, at least for, you know, yeah. And I have not noticed you to be hyperactive. <laughs> I was when I was a little kid, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, there's been a change in you as you have grown, but you are ADHD all the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a bit about your work as an EMT. What does EMT stand for? What do you do? Tell us about your work. So EMT stands for Emergency Medical Technician. Um, as a pre-med student, uh, as all pre-med students, we need clinical hours to apply to medical school. Medical schools love to see that you've worked in the clinical setting. Uh, they love to see that you've worked alongside patients. Um, the options for me at the time would describe a doctor to work as a medical assistant in a clinic. Um, and there was other options like EMT. I learned about how hands-on it was and it emulated the restaurant setting. At the time I was a server and I thrived in this restaurant setting. It was fast paced, it was chaotic. It was like the synchronized chaos that I really thrived in. I knew faces all the time, very hands-on. And I think the EMT is really what emulated that the most. It was the environment I wanted to work in. Um, I started as an EMT on the road doing interfacility transports with American Medical Response. I did that for a year and a half. And ever since, I think it's also been almost two years, I've been in the ER um, alongside nurses and doctors. I, I switched over to the emergency room um, to see that post-transport care and experience that longitudinal care with patients. So you run toward stress. That's your tendency. <laughs> and Having ADHD, how do you manage stress? How do I manage stress in the ER or in general? Both. Okay. So, so the ER is chaos, right? There's so much going on. Um, many of us say uh, there's kind of a requirement to work in the ER. You have to have ADHD to be able to work in there. <laughs> it's, people say that. So um, I personally thrive in that setting. As I said, I'm able to fall into that hyper-focus during those emergency situations, I'm able to mute everything out, distractions at least. I'm not going to mute the doctors, nurses, and patient out. I got to be in touch with that. But it, it helps me stay hyper-focused on what's going on. Um, the movement is huge as well. A, a setting where I'm able to move during cognitive tasks helps me stay engaged. Um, and even the learning style of EMT school, half of it is you know the books and the exams, but the other half is training clinical setting. 
It's these rounds that that's how I am able to learn. Um, and stress outside of the ER, uh, the first thing that pops in my mind is working out. Physical activity is huge for me. That's very high on my priority list. Uh, whether it's cardio, weightlifting, something to relieve that stress. I tend to do it towards the end of the day after I've gotten everything out of the way. I also do yoga weekly. I think yoga is huge. Um, I'm able to focus on my mobility, my stability, my flexibility, and most importantly, the breathing. I mean, yoga is those three things. It's you know very hard moves and such, but the breathing is so important. Being in touch with my breathing, it becomes a meditative experience. Um, and it's kind of that de-stressor. I can disconnect and just let, you know, be one with my thought. From your perspective, what should someone with ADHD be aware of when they enter a high-pressure job? I think being aware is the first step. That's so important, um, being aware. And I think it's going to take time to find your rhythm. I think it will take time. There's a learning curve. But to find that rhythm, that system, that tempo, uh, you're going to have to know your environment, um, know how your environment works and know how your coworkers work. And once that learning curve passes, um, I think the high stress environment is something you can thrive in with ADHD. So I think it's important to have patience. It's important to have a lot of questions um, and focus on your personal life. Don't push away your personal life. Don't push away your health, your sleep your social relationships, everything outside of work, I think is super important. Make those your priorities. You know, and as a corollary to that, the Ali Idris method of taking a supposed negative and turning it into a positive. Yes, yes. Has working in the emergency room changed your thoughts on neurodiversity in general? And if so, how? 100%. Um, in the ER, you work with so many patients from so many different cultural backgrounds, histories, languages, and neurodiversities. Um, and I'm so thankful to be, I was so thankful to be part of different brands before becoming an EMT, because I was able to uh, translate what I learned at different brands into my practice, into my medical practice. Um, I developed very close and deep relationships with people at different brains. And I was able to empathize with my patients. I was able to understand the nuances of each situation a patient was in because of all the knowledge I gained through different brains. Um, I've been definitely a better provider of care because of uh, you know what I've learned through different brains. But the way all of this has changed my perspective is it's really emboldened my hunger to spread awareness and acceptance for neurodiversity. I really appreciate working with populations from this demographic um, and what it does for our community. You see these patients in their most vulnerable moments. I think being there for them, putting a smile on their face has changed my perspective so much. Well, that's a great segue into my next question, which is what advice would you have for the neurodivergent individual who may be prone to overload to prepare themselves for a visit as a patient mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to the emergency room. So, yeah, there, there are many tools. I think um, it's important to know what you're walking into. You're walking into you know, a world of chaos. There's a lot of beeping noises and lights and screaming, babies crying. There's a lot going on. Nurses coming in and out. EMTs like myself coming in and out. Doctors left and right. 
I think it's important to come prepared. Say, bring something that'll keep you distracted inside, whether it's a video game or your phone or just a toy, some, some, some stress ball or something, even a blanket, because you might want to stay warm in there. Um, I've seen many times in the ER, people bring in headphones to keep, you know, keep everything quiet from all the chaos going around. Um, and I think letting your provider know, letting the EMT, the nurse, the doctor know what's going on. The fact that they're aware and they understand is so important. That should be the first thing you should let them know. Well, you brought back so many good memories for me of the controlled chaos, uncontrolled chaos. Yes. <laughs> Boston City Hospital Emergency Room when I was working there in my orthopedic residency. Wow. But it was, yeah. uh, it was, it was going on. You do a great description of yes. the emergency room. How can people learn more about you? Differentbrains.org, ADHD Power Tools with Brooke Schnittman. We have over 100 episodes. I think that's the go-to. And it's been over over a three-year-long period. So you can see so much, you know, uh, tools, growth, and, you know, topics we've discussed accumulated along the way. What is one piece of advice you would have for someone out there with ADHD who is unsure and not confident in their ability to pursue their career goals? Um, I think you should understand your ADHD, read about it, watch about it, understand as much as you can, and uh, don't be scared to take risks uh, because many people out there need our abilities. They need our powers. Um, I think that's, that's what I would say is I think embrace it, embrace it to the fullest. Well, Ali, it's been terrific, terrific having you here. I've learned a lot today, and I'm sure our audience has as well. I uh, want to wish you all the luck, and you can, you're going to be a great, great physician. And, Thank uh, you, Happy. We got to get we got to get you on to that next phase <laughs> because you're meant for it. You're born for it. It's coming and, soon. Uh, please uh, keep up all the great work, and we do appreciate your volunteerism and staying involved on the team here mm -hmm. at the Brains. Ali, mm -hmm. thank you very much. Thank you so much, Haki. Thank you for having me on. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.